Are you ready for the next big thing? Amen. God loves to do new things, doesn't he? He loves to do new things. In our passage of Scripture out of the book of Isaiah, it talks about that when he says, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? And so God loves to do new things. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The Bible says we're saved by the renewing of the Holy Spirit. The Scripture says the Lord's mercies are new every single morning. Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1 that there is a purpose to every single season. So God loves to bring new seasons into our life. You might be young, you might be middle-aged, you might be old, but I want you to know that God loves to do a new thing, a new thing. It's great to see Jill Wig here today. God bless you, Jill. We love you. We love you. Praise the Lord. This is what it says in uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 4. Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness, newness of life. So we should walk in newness of life. So God gives you a brand new life when you get saved, but you walk in newness. You walk in newness. The Lord loves to restore your soul. The Lord loves to renew your strength. Renew it, right? So new things. And I love 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. It says, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. So not only is it new things, but it's big things. Big things. Eyes not heard, uh, seen or ear heard. What the Lord has planned. What the Lord has planned. We, uh, we've heard the story. The best is yet to come. Uh, and I think in that passage when Jesus turned the water into wine and he saved the best till last, I think in the passage it says the best is now. Now, so by faith today, why is that the best? Because God is active, moving today. He's at work today. So I'm going to read you Isaiah 43, verses 16 to 21. Are you ready for the next big thing? This is a message designed to ready our hearts for our spring convention coming up May 19th to the 21st and uh, setting aside those three days. I say give God your weekend. Give God your weekend. And there are certain things that we can do to get ready for that. The Bible says the preparations of the heart belong to man. The preparations of the heart belong to man. That's what it says in the book of Proverbs. So the preparations of the heart, that belongs to you. So you can prepare your heart through prayer, through fasting. And may I say this, the Wednesday before our spring convention, that's uh, May 17th, we're going to have a day of fasting and prayer uh, as a church, preparing our hearts. That's Wednesday, May 17th, the Wednesday right before spring convention. I want you to do without food until 3 p.m. on that Wednesday. So breakfast and lunch, you spend time seeking the Lord, praying, preparing your heart, calling on the the name of the Lord. We'll announce it again. You don't have to quite remember it between now and then, but we'll, not, we'll announce it again. But to prepare our hearts for what God is going to do. God loves to be moving. He's not up there resting. The Bible talks about how the Father works, how the Father works and continues to work, and we are his workmanship. He's working on us. 
He's working on us. So Isaiah 43, thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters, who brings forth the chariot and the horse, the army and the power. They shall lie down together. They shall not rise. They are extinguished. They are quenched like a wick. Do not remember the former things nor consider the things of old. So Isaiah just Get the understanding here. Isaiah is prophesying the word of the Lord to Israel, and he's going back to going back to when God delivered Israel out of Egypt and brought them through the Red Sea. And he talks about, I feel like something's on my face here. Anybody see that? <laughs> Praise God. God's doing a new thing. So where, where am I there? He's, he's prophesying, oh, the, the, the chariot and the horse, the army and the power, they shall lie down together, they shall not rise. That, that's talking about when God buried the Egyptian army, when the waters of the Red Sea closed upon them. So he's talking about what God did in the past. Aren't you glad what God has done in the past in your life? Amazing, wonderful things. So Isaiah's talking about this past. And then he goes on, he says, behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it? So God is telling the the Israelites, those things that God did in the past, don't remember them. Remember not the former things in this sense. Don't try to recapture that moment. Don't always be reflecting back at what God has done as if God's not going to do something brand new. Because God is, he's trying to pour faith, God's trying through Isaiah to pour faith into the Israelites. I'm going to do a new thing. It's going to spring forth. Shall you not know it? He goes on and says, I will even make a road in the wilderness. Now, he made a road or a path through the Red Sea. Now, he's going to make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beasts of the field will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. This people I have formed for myself. They shall declare my praise. So what's that referring to? Well, Isaiah's prophesying to them, and a few chapters earlier, Isaiah, through the word of the Lord, prophesied a future Babylonian captivity. They're not yet held captive by Babylon, but that's coming in the future. And in this passage of Scripture, Isaiah 43, God, through Isaiah, is telling them that I'm going to bring you out of Babylon back to the land, and I'm going to bring you from the east back to the land of Israel, from Babylon. You're going to have to pass through that wilderness as I bring you back to your promised land. And when I do that miraculous thing, I'm going to make a road in the wilderness, and I'm going to give you rivers in the desert as I bring you out of captivity from Babylon back into your promised land. Now, I'm not going to deliver you out of Egypt. I'm going to deliver you out of Babylon. Don't think about what I did when I delivered you out of Egypt as I made a road through that uh, Red Sea. I'm now going to make a road in the wilderness. I'm going to give you rivers in the desert. I'm going to be your God. I'm going to deliver you. Don't remember the former things. Behold, I'm going to do a new thing. Well, that's wonderful, right, for Israel. But that, that's a template, you see, for what God can do for us. You know, we thank God for our salvation. Man, he delivered me from this world. He, he did miracles in my life, and God would say, you know what? I am a, still a miracle-working God. I can still move in wonderful ways. I have something planned for you in the future. Your eye has not seen it. Your ear has not heard it. I'm going to bring it to pass. Behold, I'm going to do a new thing in your life. 
New wine for new wineskins. Somebody say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God promises new things. He promises big things. How should you look at the past? Because in this passage of Scripture, it says, do not remember the former things. And that doesn't mean you have to forget everything. But some people look at the past like a museum or a mausoleum. And neither one are right. A museum is you look at the past and you just see all beautiful things of the former moves of God or the wonderful things that God has done. But there's nothing new going on. The past is like a museum that displays, right? Or a mausoleum. Uh, you remember the past, and it's just full of death and decay and bones and stinky things. And, and uh, I mean, that's what you think about the past. Uh, it's either a museum of wonderful things or a mausoleum, mausoleum of just horrible things. Or you can look at it as a memorial, Look what the Lord did. And yeah, you, when you look at the past, you're thanking God. You're thanking God for the past. But you're not living in that past because that's what God did way back then. And he's got to do the same thing again. And if he doesn't do the same thing again, you don't want it to happen. You know, because people, when they taste of the new wine, what did they immediately say? The old wine is better. The old wine is better, and, and uh, God wants to deliver us from that thinking or that mindset. Listen, you will never be a new wineskin if you always think the old things that God did was better. Was better. Hmm. Be thankful for what God has done. I think that's a great way to look at the past. Be thankful for what God has done. Be thankful for the lessons that God taught you in the past. Certainly, even through your failure, the grace of God teaches us many things, even in our failures. So learn from the past. Be thankful for the past. But by all means, forget your past failures. Forget your past failures. When God brought the children of Israel across the Jordan River into the promised land, they camped at a place called Gilgal. Gilgal literally means to roll or to roll away. And the Lord said to Joshua, this day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. You know, sometimes the Lord needs to do that, to roll away things off of us, to roll, to roll away the reproach. We have failures in our past. My wife talked to uh, communion, how when she first got saved, there's a certain area in her life that the Lord, through the power of the Spirit, the power of the cross, delivered her from that. It'd be terrible if she was still guilty over that, remembering that, not as, look what the Lord has done, but, oh, you know, I was such a failure, such a failure, oh, just terrible, just terrible. You know, that's the way some people do. They live in the past, and their past failures are also present in their conscience. And the Bible says the blood of Jesus is strong enough and power, powerful enough to purge our conscience from the remembrance of dead works. You can be free from thinking on your past failures and being held in bondage or thinking on the horrible things because, listen, in this life we have tribulation and sometimes we go through challenges and trials and tragedies and uh, we get thrown in fiery furnaces and we come off, come out, and uh, we're just with the smell of smoke on us. And I'm here to tell you that God wants you to forget 
the failures of your past, the sins of your past, the challenges of your past. He wants to roll off of you any reproach, any guilt, any shame of the past. Do you need God to do that work in you? Because you live constantly with a life of regret. Oh, I wished I would have been this way. I wished I would have acted this way. I wished I would have been better in that trial. I wished that thing never would have happened. I'd be so much better, so much healthier, so much happier if I was better back then or if God answered my prayer the way I wanted. And we just live with a sense of regret. And I'm here to tell you that God wants to roll away that reproach off of you, that guilt, that shame, that regret, so that you can move forward, be a new wineskin, and believe God for that new wine to be outpoured. Forget the former things. Behold, I do a new thing. A new thing, says the Lord. Somebody say amen to that. I want to pray for those right now that have a sense of guilt, shame, or regret of something that happened in your past. A season in your life, an event, a choice you made, a sin, a habit, whatever it might be, this stuff happens. Before they entered in and possessed the promised land, they needed to have that reproach rolled away. And God's going to be doing a new thing, and maybe some of you here today need to forget the shame, the guilt, the regret of your past. Man, if that is you, just raise your hand. I want to pray for you want to pray for you. Yes, amen, amen, amen. All right, stand to your feet, stand to your feet. Let's believe God. Let's believe God. This is like Planet Fitness, a, a, a judgment-free zone. All right, we're not judging you because you have regrets or guilt or shame from something of the past. We're not, we're not judging you. We, we all understand that, right? Stretch forth your hand, church. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I pray for these. Roll away the reproach right now. Lord, as my wife said, by the power of the blood, the power of the cross, the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would take what was done, Lord, as they just presented before you, that you would cover it with your blood. Your favor is for a lifetime. Your mercies are new every morning, and I pray, Lord, that they can forget that past and step forward into the future that you have for them with a conscience that is guilt-free, shame-free, regret-free. Lord, grant this, do this by the power of God in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. 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 Be blessed, be healed, be restored this morning. The past, the past. The Bible says, don't keep going over old history. That's the message translation of Isaiah 43, verse 18, when it says, do not remember the former things. Don't keep going over old history. And many years ago, the Lord spoke to me out of Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 10. Don't long for the good old days. This is not wise. Because God's not going to do the same thing. That's why it's not wise. Also, when you long for the good old days, you forget all the challenges of it. You just kind of remember the good things. You forget all the challenges. Oh, I wish it was the same back then. Yeah, you were poorer, stupider. You forget all those things, right? The good old days. It's not wise. 
Hey, rather than remembering and longing for the good old days, let's thank God for the past. Let's thank God for what he's doing today. And let's believe God for better things to come by his plan and purpose for our lives. Somebody give me a witness. Give me a witness. Well, it goes on in this passage of Scripture. You know, it's just awesome. I will even make a road in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. It's, it's going to spring forth, right? The beasts of the field are going to honor me. I'm going to give drink to my people. They shall declare my praise. So a lot of things are now promised to the nation of Israel. And these promises, by his spirit, we understand that it was written for them. But it's also to us here today, right? It's to us as well, spiritually in that sense. What should you expect today? Well, seeds springing forth. We'll start right there. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? So springtime is a time when seeds are beginning to sprout. When the farmer plants the seed, he sees nothing. He waits and waits and waits. And of course, the rain comes down. The sun shines. It warms the soil. The seed then, then breaks forth. And up it comes. The beginning sprouts of a, of a brand new harvest. The harvest is still yet to come. But those seeds are the promise. The seeds are the promise. You can see the life coming. Seeds springing forth, right? The Bible tells us to not despise small beginnings. And, and God, God many times likens a small beginning to like the beginning work of God, like a mustard seed, the smallest of seeds, and then it produces this huge big tree. So it is the work of God. It starts many times very small. You can barely perceive it. Oh, there it is. There it is. It's the beginning. And that the beginning is not the end. It's the beginning of, of new life, new growth, New fruitfulness, new increase, and it's going to grow and grow and grow and produce much fruit. And we need to believe God for that. Do you see the beginning, the start of God's work in your personal life? Maybe your marriage, your children. Sometimes we need to see by faith this, just this small seed, this small seed that's beginning to push forth from the soil of the heart or the soil of your child's life or the soil of that marriage that's so strained. And you can see God at work. God's at work. Things are changing. I, I'm seeing it. it. It's so small. Oh, Lord, it's so small. Don't despise it, the Bible says. I love Job chapter 14. Uh, it's verses 7 and 9. It's, it, I just, the Lord downloaded it in my heart here this morning, so it won't be on the, uh, on the screen here. But listen to what Job says. Even a tree has more hope. If it is cut down, it will sprout again and grow new branches. It's talking about an olive tree. Though its roots have grown old in the earth and the stump decays, at the scent of water it will bud and sprout again like a new seedling. At the scent of water, it's going to sprout again. At the scent of water. Now, the water is the Holy Spirit. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. All that seed of the Word needs is just the scent of the Holy Spirit. And there's power in the seed of the Word. There's power in the presence of God. Those two working together. It might be old. It might be decaying. It might have death. But God can bring new life out of death. Hallelujah. New life out of death. At the scent. I believe there's going to be more than a scent of water at our spring convention. There's going to be rivers. 
God's going to rain upon us. And that new work, new life, new beginning that he's begun is like a new seed springing forth. Shall you not see it? I mean, the water is going to be poured out upon you, and it's going to just come to life. Come to life. How many could use a new work of God? Amen. You should all be raising your hands. What should you expect? Well, seeds springing forth at the scent of water, life, right? The second thing I see here is roads in the wilderness. It says in verse 19, I will even make a road in the wilderness. Now, my wife and I have been to Egypt many, many times, and uh, used to be when we went there, we go and see the pyramids. You have to see the pyramids, right? Uh, and uh, after the pyramids, uh, uh, Dr. Sam would uh, arrange for us to have a camel ride out into the, uh, is it the Sahara Desert? I think it's the Sahara Desert, right? Out into the Sahara Desert. And so we're on these camels, and camels are crazy. They look like they were put together by a committee. You know, we, wanna, we want to produce a horse, but by the time the committee got done wrangling over it and compromising on this and that and everybody's input, they put together a camel. Comical looking, right? And it's hard, they're hard to get on and they're hard to get off. And they're, 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 they're mean, they're cantankerous, these camels are. And uh, they're not clean uh, in there in Egypt when you're on there, as filthy as filthy can be. Just nasty things. I love riding camels. My wife doesn't, but I love riding camels. Anyway, they take us out into the Sahara Desert, and it's just like you'd imagine, just solid sand. There's not a shrub. There's not a tree. There's not a road. There's just solid desert. And you realize as the winds come and go, the, the sand shifts and what used to be a hill there is not a valley and that, there, then, you know, there's just no way you can navigate through the desert looking at old landmarks. God, if he's going to bring the children of Israel out of Babylon back to the promised land, he's going to take them through the desert and he's going to make a road, a road. In other words, he's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. That's where that comes from. That's where the, 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 the pathway through the Red Sea and the road through the wilderness, that's the, that's the scripture that gives way to that cliche. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. It's that. And the Lord can do that, make a road in the wilderness. I look at this as breakthrough direction. Breakthrough direction. New direction, new strategies, new ways. A new road will emerge before you when the time is right. When you really need to know, there it is. There it is. Oh, my gosh. God knows how to get you to your destination. Don't worry. Perhaps that road can be a pathway into your heart or into your circumstances. You know, when John the Baptist came, the Bible says that he made the crooked places straight. He took the mountains and leveled it, took the valleys and filled it, so the road can be straight for the coming of the Lord. And I want you to know that many times our heart is a wilderness. And we have all kinds of obstacles put up between us and God. And all of a sudden, the Lord says, I'm going to make a road through that wilderness of your heart. I'm going to bring the word of the Lord to you. I'm going to bring the power of the Holy Spirit to you. I'm going to bring new direction to you. I'm going to enter into that heart of yours. It's going to be a miracle what God can do. It could be in the heart of your personal heart. It could be in the heart of your marriage, in the heart of your children, the heart of your business, the heart of your finances, the heart of your ministry. God can make a road. 
He can make a way where there seems to be no way. Somebody say praise the Lord. What should you expect with this new thing? Well, seeds springing forth, roads in the wilderness. How about this one? Rivers in the desert. Verse 19. Rivers in the desert. I love that. Rivers. Not just a river, but rivers. Rivers. You know, in the Old Testament, when they came out of uh, Egypt into the wilderness, we don't have any water. We don't have any water. Moses then took his rod and smote a rock, and out came waters. And if you read the book of Psalms, it says waters gushed out. Out of that rock came rivers. Well, it needed to be plenty of water or rivers because they had livestock and also about three to four million people needed to be sustained for 40 years in a wilderness or desert. And how they got their water was from that rock that created a huge river, probably the size of the Mississippi River. Think about it. To water their cattle, to bathe in, to get water from, to drink from, to sustain them, not just for that moment in time. You're talking 40 years, 40 years. So a river, and the Bible says the rock that followed them was Christ. In other words, that rock that produced the river, that river flowed where they went. Unbelievable, isn't it? Rivers. Well, that was one river. The Lord promises rivers, rivers. I love that. Listen what happens when God sends a river into the desert. Now, that desert could be your life. That desert could be your marriage, your family, your finances, your ministry, a dry place, a barren place, right? Look what happens when God sends a river. He says in verse Isaiah 35, verse 1, The wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. So what happens when you put water in the desert? things happen. Blossom. Fruitfulness and increase. You know, I've been to Israel a couple times, and of course, it's a desert climate there. And uh, so since it's a desert climate, it's a a wasteland. It's a wilderness. It's dry. And uh, they don't get much rain. And so what they do is they try to capture all the water that they get. And they capture the water and they bring it to the desert area. And whatever, wherever they bring water in that desert area, it becomes a flourishing place. The desert blooms. You ever see uh, uh, the desert when, uh, you know, it's just a dry wasteland, nothing's going on, and then they get like the spring rain, and next thing you know, a flower's popping up and blooming, and uh, all of a sudden it looks beautiful? That's the power of the river, the rain, the water. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about the Spirit. That's the power of the Spirit. That's the power of the Word of God. It's supernatural. Man, I don't think it will ever change around here. It's just such a a barren place, lacking fruit. Oh, if God's Spirit could just flow there. If you would just simply open up your heart to the move of God, welcome the Spirit of God, the Word of the Lord into that dry area, God can make it increase and bear much fruit. Much fruit. I want you to believe God for that. Believe God for that. Listen what it says in Ezekiel 47, verse 9. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. That's not on the, uh, the thing because God downloaded this verse in my heart as well this morning. It's out of Ezekiel. 
Life will flourish wherever this water flows. It's, it's water that was flowing from the temple, out from underneath the altar. And it was a supernatural river of the presence of the Lord. And it flowed down into the desert place. And wherever the water flowed, life happened. Supernatural life, health and healing happened. Wherever the river touched, it brought forth life. And I want to encourage you to welcome the Holy Spirit into your heart, into your marriage, into to your circumstances, welcome the Holy Spirit, and wherever that river flows, it's going to bring forth healing and life to you. Healing and life to you. We should all want that. Well, you know, I don't think I want the presence of God in my, in my marriage. You know, I think I like death and decay and destruction instead. You know, what, what, what fool would say that? How many want the fruit of the Spirit in your marriage of love and joy and peace and kindness and gentleness and self-control and faithfulness? We all do. We need more of God, don't we? We need God in every area of our life, our ministry, our personal heart and life, our marriage, our family. We need God. He promises rivers in the desert, roads in the wilderness, seeds springing forth. He promises drink for his people there in verse 20, to give drink to my people, my chosen drink, oh, to, to just satisfy our thirst. I need a drink to satisfy my thirst, that beatitude. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled, filled. Drink deep and be satisfied. Talking about soul satisfaction. Jesus talking, he says this. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Can you put that up there? Next one. Or is it verse 37 that I want? There it is. If anyone thirsts, let him come. And drink. Thirst come drink. If anyone thirst, let him come and drink. Thirst come drink. He's talking about the Spirit of God there. Thirst come drink. That's how you receive from God. That's how you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Thirst come drink. You're thirsty for more of God. You come to him by faith. You open up your heart. You drink. Everybody hear that statement, you can lead a horse to the water, but you can't make him drink. The idea that the horse has his own mind, his own will, and you as the owner can guide and direct and bring him to the water, but that horse has to want the water, has to somehow bend down and, and drink it in. Otherwise, it means nothing to him. And so it is with the presence of the Lord. You can be thirsty and you come to the Lord and he has all this for you. He's going to pour out his spirit. He's going to move. But you know what? You got to open up your spirit and you just got to drink. You got to drink. You drink by faith, you drink with passion, you drink by choice, but you drink. Well, how do I drink in the Spirit? I'm not sure how to describe it, but all I know is unless you receive, you'll be left behind. If you, you got, you got to receive. And the Holy Spirit can help you to receive. You know, I, I prayed for people that, that, uh, that, come forward to receive from the Lord, and it's like this. I am daring God to, to just do something here. 
God is God, and I am me, and if he wants me, wants me to have this, and he's just going to have to force his way on me. And then I've seen other people come and say, oh, I just want more of God. Oh, God, pour it out. I, I just receive from you. Oh, Lord, pour it out, pour it out. I just receive. Now, which one's going to receive? The second one. The one is just daring God. They're not even that hungry or thirsty. They just want to almost like test God, approve God, whether or not this thing is genuine because, you know, they're not coming with a heart of faith or really testing the Lord. Well, if God wants this to happen, then he's just got to make it happen. Listen, you can lead a horse to the water, but you can't make him drink. You can lead a Christian to the presence of the cross, but you can't make him drink of the Holy Spirit. Amen, Rhonda? Rhonda says amen. So I see just new things, new things, new things, right? Coming and drinking, and you come to our convention, and you just come to get a, a nice tall glass of water of the Holy Spirit to quench your spiritual thirst. You just come that way, and I want you to know that God has something for you. If you come saying, you know, I've done this so many times, uh, I, I guarantee you, you will receive nothing of the Lord, So these wonderful things, these new things, seeds springing forth, roads in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, drink for his people. I see evangelism there as well. The beasts of the field will honor me. They shall declare my praise. You know, we're supposed to be the sheep of his pasture. And when God saves us, he domesticates us. He takes goats and turns them into sheep. He takes, he takes lions and domesticates and tames them, turns them into sheep. He takes beasts of the field. Well, what, what are those animals there? Uh, let's see. Uh, yes, yes, I, I see them here. Uh, beasts of the field, jackals and ostriches. All of them are unclean, according to the law. Unclean. Well, how many of you were unclean before you met Jesus? I, I was the beast of the field, and then the Lord wonderfully saved me. You were the beast. Uh, uh, Roger, you were the jackal. I'm sure you were. You were the jackal, and uh, how many would, would hide their head in the sand because you're too stupid to recognize things? You were the stupid one before you got saved. Raise your hand. That, you were the ostrich. Yes, you were the ostrich. Very good. Some of you should have raised your hand. I just... The beast, the jackal, the ostrich, whatever you want to call us. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Amen to that. And God's going to do such a new thing and uh, wonderful things that the beasts and the jackals and the ostriches, they're going to start honoring the Lord. And I just love that when I see people just wonderfully saved at a life of sin and shame and dishonor. And all of a sudden, they're in the presence of God and, and they're giving God glory and testifying of his work and they're honoring God with their life. That's a way of, salvation is a miracle. It's a miracle. Oh, we need to thank God that he saved us and by his spirit somehow domesticated us to make us compliant and willing to follow and serve the Lord and to desire the spiritual holy things of Almighty God. Because if God wasn't doing that, we'd be lovers of sin and lovers of darkness rather than lovers of God. Somebody say amen. So I got a testimony today that I was once a beast of the field and God has turned me into the sheep of his pasture. God promises new things and big things. Hallelujah. Well, what should be our response to God? We've been talking about this. I'm going to close with this. 
New wine must be put into a new wineskin, and both are preserved. No one, having drunk old wine, immediately desires new, for he says the old is better. What should be our response? Give me new wine. What should be our response? Make me a new wineskin. Growing, stretching, enlarging, usable, wanting more, wanting more. Make me a new wineskin. Give me new wine. And I'm not going to say the old wine is better. I thank God for the old wine. You know, when you think about, I'm not a wine connoisseur by any stretch of the imagination, but think about it this way. The older the wine, the better it is, right? Talking about the natural. You know, this wine was, was distilled in uh, 1732. You know, it's now worth $3,000 a bottle. Whoa. Well, this was just produced in 2023. You can get Mogan David 2020 for $10 a bottle. Whatever. <laughs> is Mogan David a wine? Uh, oh, you would know. Those, those bad boys over there would know for sure. They're acting like, I don't, I don't know. Praise the Lord. Older wine is better naturally, but not spiritually. And we got to break that mindset. Amen. I want the new wine. Somebody say, I want the new wine. I want to be a new wineskin. Somebody say that. Bow your heads in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. You're here today and... uh, You don't even know why you're here. You're just here. You were invited here or God put it in your heart to come to church. That's how I got saved. God put it in my heart to go to church and that was a miracle. And I went to church and got saved. That was wonderful. And maybe you're here today and you're not even know why you're here. God's doing a, a work in you. I mean, you're coming to church. I mean, that's amazing. But you know that you need to come to Christ commit your life to Christ maybe you did that but you became a prodigal and you wandered away from the house you've been gone from the house for quite some time but you're here today you're, re- you're returning to the house to the father like the prodigal son did and the father standing here he ha- has his arms outstretched to you and he is waiting for you to come to him to come to him I want to pray for you if you want to commit your life to Christ or even recommit your life to Christ. You're here today and would say, you know, what you were talking about just describes me. I'm here. I need God. I, I need to place my faith in Christ or I need to recommit my life to the Lord. I'm coming back to the Lord like a prodigal. If that is you and you want me to just include you in this prayer, just raise your hand. Raise your hand, lift it up high so I can see it. Just raise your hand, lift it up high. I'm going to pray this prayer, and you want to be included in the prayer. Just lift up your hand. All right, let's all stand in the presence of the Lord. If you want to be that new wineskin, you know, sometimes, you know, when you you posture yourself like this, you come like this vessel. The Lord's going to pour into you. If you want to be that new wineskin, welcoming new wine by faith, Lift up your hands like this. Come, Lord Jesus. Fill us. Pour out your spirit. Do that new thing. I'm hungry and thirsting for more of you.